what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's shows, would you like some ways to figure out whether your new business will be a success when you open the doors? We've got an article with some ideas to help you reduce your startup risk. Our main topic this month, funding options for your business with our guest Byron Hicks, who is Regional Director of the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center at Appalachian State University. Finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight businesses we've come across that we want to highlight to you. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how you doing? Jeff, I'm doing great. It's nice to get this warm weather as we move into the summer. It's, uh, although it's a little bit hotter than I expected for May in the 90s, but it's going well. All right. Well, it's, it's uh, toward the end of May in North Carolina. It could be in the 90s. Last week it was in the 70s. You know, you, you getting out to the golf course yet? I've been out there once. Okay. Well, that's good for you. And then they told me not to come back. Now, 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 as, as I'm sure our listeners know, you actually were a golfer in college at Wake Forest University, which is known for, for its golfing program. Yes, I was very fortunate to be on team with a, a lot of really good golfers. Yeah, All I got right. to watch good golf. I bet you still, you still got a little game in you, I'm betting. Mm, I, you're very kind. Anyway, well... Glad that uh, everything is good with you. Uh, you know, we always talk a little bit about an article that we come across when we first start off. And I wanted to, to bring up an article that I saw in the, the New York Times about crowdsourcing. And we've talked about crowdfunding in the past. And, and do you know the difference between crowdfunding and crowdsourcing? I just heard a little bit about it, but uh, why don't you talk about the difference? <laughs> I guess that's no. All right. So <laughs> that was a kind no. So uh, crowdsourcing, you know, crowdfunding. You know, a lot of you've heard. Many of our listeners have heard of Kickstarter or Indiegogo as a way to to raise money for their business, startup, or or existing business. Uh, crowdsourcing is a way to get information through. Uh, the interweb, the internet out there, about your products, about your testing, uh, about testing your products, about pricing, uh, how you can hone your your business plan and and uh, get some more instantaneous customer feedback to reduce the risk of getting your product out there. So anyway, this article was in the New York Times. It was written by a woman, Constant uh, Gustkey, on mail. It came out on May 11th. Uh, she identified a couple of websites, usertesting.com and ideascale.com, which works with small businesses, big businesses, to tap into their user base and get quick feedback. And had an example of a woman in Denver, Colorado, who was starting an online interior, interior design business called Havenly, and it helped that her quickly come up with pricing strategies and hone her her service, uh, give her some feedback that uh, she could help with her startup get uh, up and running more effectively. So I sort of just found that's interesting because when I'm working with small business clients, you know, one of the big questions that we're always trying to determine is, you know, is their business feasible? Is it going to work? And there are no guarantees out there. And I just sort of found that this would be an interesting way to, to use to, to get a better read on that without spending too much money. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Is it similar 
to what you're doing with a small business center, but just more sophisticated, wider. intelligent. Yes. No, not, yeah. no, I would say not that. They don't, and they won't get the personal touch, but they do get an opportunity to test their ideas. Well, I, I think this is a way to get to a much larger uh, potential customer base and that you, know, you can get out to thousands of people with questionnaires or surveys and, and get a, a quicker read and, and uh, it's a way that you can do more targeting. If there are certain age groups that you're trying to hit, uh, you can you can uh, see how your marketing message is working. You can tailor it to the audience that you're trying to reach and see how receptive they would be and get some quick feedback. You know, when when you're sitting down with folks, uh, you know we're always trying to identify are there are enough customers out there to support your business and and uh, you know if you're particularly if you're doing something online and trying to reach out across the country, it seems like using a platform or platforms like these would be a, a quick way to to go about and get some of that feedback i really like the idea how much is the, the service cost well it, it I, I i i it doesn't say in the article i went to a, as i mentioned there were a couple of sites that uh, are doing this um and i went out and looked at some of their sites um you know it looked like depending on the project uh, there, there were some some initial free trials, but uh, could be a couple hundred dollars to do some of the the market research. Which very for reasonable, a, yeah. For a small business, you know, a couple hundred dollars is not necessarily insignificant. But yeah. now you you but can it's not thousands of dollars. exactly, and you can you know if you don't do some of this homework, you can lose a lot more Absolutely. than that. So I like the idea. So anyway, just a quick way to get your get some read on how your business might do. Very cool. So anyway. Thought that was interesting. So check it out. Uh, Constant Gusky in the New York Times, May 11th. Crowdsourcing, uh, usertesting.com, idsl.com are two services that they mention. Uh, give it a look. So, so anyway, we have a guest with us today. Excited to have him with us. We've got uh, Byron Hicks, who is regional director with the North Carolina Small Business and Technology Development Center at Appalachian State University. That is a mouthful. Byron, Byron, welcome. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you all for having me today. Well, welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange. Prior to working, uh, we will call it the SBTDC, the Small Business and Technology Development Center. So uh, uh, those of us who are familiar with it call it the SBTDC. Byron, also, you've been in the banking industry. You've owned your own construction company. You've been around the block. I've done a few things. Okay. Done a few things. And so, yet you, uh, you look so youthful yes, still. You're still well, thank you. Thank you. Good thing this is radio. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we uh, tell us a little bit about what the SBTDC does and what your role is with the SBTDC. The SBTDC is the largest interinstitutional center through the University of North Carolina system. So we are hosted through the University of North Carolina system. Our center covers 14 counties in the western North Carolina area, and we're hosted by Appalachian State University. We have 10 centers across the state that are hosted by other universities. Um, we have the one in the western part of the state hosted by Western Carolina, the one in Charlotte hosted by UNCC, and so on. So we offer no-cost business advisory service to small and mid-sized businesses in the state of North Carolina. Similar to what you do at the Small Business Center. We like being partners with y'all. Y'all are a great yeah. asset to the community as well. Well, and, and, and you and I have known each other for a while, and we've partnered on many projects, and, and uh, we, we very much have enjoyed that relationship. Uh, because of some of your background, I've always found you to be a really good source when it comes to talking about funding options for 
small businesses, startup businesses, mid-sized businesses. So, um, you know, when when people are looking for a funding you know, for their business, you know, how do you how you know, how do you approach them? You know, what what sort of questions are you asking them, and and you know, what's a starting point for you as you're helping them down that road to figure out how to fund their business? There are a lot of questions when people come to you. First of all, thinking they just need money. Money's not necessarily a solution to all the small business problems. Now, there are plenty of opportunities where money can be the tool that helps the business grow, but that's usually just the um, – that's on the surface. We have to get in and, and dig a little deeper to see what they really need. Lots of times the funding can be to grow the business, to purchase equipment, just for ongoing working capital to keep the business moving forward. So we kind of have to identify what the need is before we can even talk about what would be the right source for those funds. I know when we've spoken before, you've, you've talked about looking at where a company is in its life cycle uh, and, and how that might direct businesses to certain sources of funds. Talk, talk, when, when, when you say life cycle of a business, you know, what, what do you mean by that and, and how might it impact the, the choices that they have? Right. When you're looking at the life cycle of a business, you can um, look at it like raising your children. You're going to deal with them differently when they're born, when they're teenagers, and then when they're young adults. Well, businesses go through the same life cycle from a startup phase where the need is one thing versus a growth situation kind of in their middle years to a mature business. And with a startup business, the funding is a different animal. You're, You're trying to get someone to bet on what you think the business will do. So back to your talking about crowdsourcing earlier, that article is real appropriate to look at whether the business has a market out there and can be good. But most banks look at your history and how you've done. So for a startup that has no history in the industry or credit history in that, it's hard for them to get traditional funding through a bank. So usually when you're looking at startup opportunities, you're looking at your own funds, family, friends, and then when you get beyond that, there are a couple of options for that. Mainly you hear angel investors, and people always think of angel investors for startups. And the term angel is not what you think in this case. It's not someone with a big bag of money that can't wait to give it away. Is it Should it be devil investors? or Sometimes or, it should. Or, or is, there, is there a middle ground here somewhere? There's a middle ground, but sometimes you would think of them as devil investors, but Um, The key to understand about angel investors is that they are accredited investors. They have to meet certain criteria to be able to invest in companies, Um, and that's set forth by the SEC, the Security Exchange Commission. You have to have a a certain net worth, certain liquidity, and, and an income stream. So these are pretty sophisticated investors, and they are looking for a return on their money more so than what they would get if they invested in a money market or savings account. So obviously they're willing to take a little risk, but they're also going to do extreme due diligence to understand your business. So they're going to get very much involved in your business and day-to-day operations. They are. They are. It's, it's like having a physical. It's, <laughs> they're going to go deep. <laughs> <laughs> so are, the, uh, are there certain types of companies or industries where angel investors are more likely to play or, or it sort of depends on their interests and, and experience? It depends on their interest and experience. Uh, There are angel groups all over uh, the United States. In North Carolina, we're lucky to have the IMAF group, which is the Inception Micro Angel Fund. There are seven of those funds across the state. 
um, one in the western part, one hosted in Charlotte, one in the triad, and a couple down east. The difference with the Inception Micro Angel Funds is knowing that the type of investors that are in each group. The group in Winston-Salem and the triad is mainly made up of doctors because of uh, the, the large medical industry there. So if you're going to them with a startup that is in the medical industry, you're going to get a good reception. You might not necessarily get the money, but you will definitely have a good audience to talk to about your industry. If you're in high tech and talking to a group of doctors, that's not the right match. So you have to go to the Charlotte IMAF group and find some people that are more interested in tech. So if you're at that startup phase, it's really matching the need for your business, the type of industry, with the type of investor that understands that market and that industry and is willing to take a risk. Very good. And, you know, the, these uh, elusive angel investors, I mean, how how does one find them? Are they, you know, if you're hunting for angel investors, is it just something uh, you look up in the yellow pages or you Google them or, you know, where, are they hiding? How do you find them? Well, we hear that all the time, that there uh, are not enough angel investors. Well, there are plenty of angel investors out there. Um, we've never seen a good deal not get financed. Now, definition of good deal can be a little challenging for some mm. people, mm-hmm. but um, good deals do find funding. Um, those groups are available on the Internet to look up angel investors, to look up the IMAF group. You can also go to the sbtdc.org website, and we have connections there, um, too. One is the IMAF group um, has a, a link on our website, as well as our Capital Opportunities Report, which is listed online which has many of these angel groups across North Carolina listed. We've had meetings over the last few years, and you talked about it earlier, with angel investors and needing some more of that. And that there's going to be the magic bullet to grow the business or grow a community. And I think that's a conception that or misconception. Yeah. I think it is. And um, it's the same thing with we have a lot of people in, in this area that are working on um, software development or computer-type technology. And they get disappointed that there's no one here to help fund that. Well, if you really want to fund that type of business that's in that industry, you need to go out to Silicon Valley. Um, 90% of the venture capital and angel funding in the tech industry is funded within about a 30-mile radius out there near San Francisco. So it's well worth the effort if you can Get on the airplane and go in front of the right people. You have to go find the money. The money won't come to you. So now when you, you were talking about uh, some of the funds locally, and you mentioned medical products or, or uh, high-tech products. What if I'm opening up my craft store or you know a, a more modest uh, small business? I'm assuming, not good to assume, that angel investors – probably not nearly as likely to be a funding option for a business like that as as a, a higher growth type possibility true, right f- true if, false very true if you look at the nature of an angel investor like i said they're going to take some riskier investments they might win on 30 percent of their investments they might lose on the other 70 percent because those businesses don't go anywhere because of that they're looking for a much higher return on their money and we're not talking like 5%, 10%. We're looking at 10 times their initial investment. Mm-hmm. So if they invest 100000 as a group, they want to be able to walk away with a million dollars down the road, not just a nice little interest payment each month. So it's got to be that high growth, high potential to really um, speak with an angel investor. 
Now, your local um, businesses like that, um, your craft store, your art store, things like that, you're really looking at your friends and family, very close people that, um, that have the same vision as you. There are some local municipal and county uh, groups that will do small business funding, uh, usually in, in the terms of a traditional loan, and you need to talk to those people. And then the SBA Guarantee Program, the Small Business Administration Loan Guarantee Program, can come into play with some of those. Yeah, and and my understanding is the SBA is not actually making those loans. They're just backing loans that uh, traditional lenders are making in that case. Right. Um, many of you remember when you go out and you buy your first car and you want to get a car loan, they ask your dad or someone to sign on it, co-sign it with you. The SBA guarantee is just Uncle Sam guaranteeing your business loan. It's just like you guaranteeing a loan for a child or something. It's not um, them loaning the money. It's just saying that we believe in this idea. We're going to help the bank make the loan. So we'll guarantee it. So, so there are a few organizations out there that will consider making loans to startup businesses. But once you get up and running you know, and looking to grow, uh, commercial loans does become a more important option for you to consider or a more viable option for you to consider. Uh, you've been in the banking industry. You haven't been in it for a few years. But what's your take on uh, the small business lending these days and, and, and banking? And, and, and does that remain a viable option for a lot of our, our listeners who have small businesses out there? The banking industry has changed a lot over the last eight years uh, since the recession. And what we've seen, especially in this region, is, is a lack of the community banks that used to really understand um, the local economy. And because of what the banks went through, they've changed their lending practices. They are regulated very heavily by the FDIC and other organizations. And because of that, they have very strict guidelines to follow. I would think it's tougher for the small business owner. It is tougher for the small business owner, but that's a good thing. If you think about it, if, um, if any of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life movie where you realize that Bailey, Bailey Savings and Loan is loaning Jeff's money to Gary – and Gary's money to Jeff. Banks are using your neighbor's money. Their assets are the loans, their liabilities are the deposit accounts. So they have a fiduciary responsibility to protect the deposits that you have in the bank. With that being said, you don't want them loaning your money out in risky situations. You want to be able to go in and cash your paycheck. Well, and, not, not to Gary, for sure. Well, not to no. Gary. Yeah, but so, an angel always gets their wings and uh, right. That's uh, You're making a reach there. I don't know. <laughs> but understanding how banks work will help you if you're approaching them for funding. Understanding that they are going to look at your track record and your personal credit history as well as the business, mm -hmm. and that they are looking at making a small return on the money. If they're charging 4 to 5% return, think what they have to do, the risk they're willing to take for that little bit of a return. And bankers... Are, are doing volume. I mean, part of their business is to generate loans. They are in the market now. They, they are good resources for capital for small businesses. They are usually very conservative with that, and, and rightfully so. So if I'm a small business and I'm contemplating going to a commercial lender and, and uh, trying to secure a loan, uh, how should I be preparing? What sort of information should I be pulling together? And, and help me get my head on straight before I go make a fool of myself on it. I'm glad you said that okay. because in my banking days, we had a lot of people come in okay. unprepared. Sure. And if you think about, like we talked about a minute ago, what bankers do and that they're looking at volume, they're not going to take the time to 
counsel you through building a loan package. And what you want from a bank is a quick yes or a quick no. A quick no is just as good. You get to go on with your life and keep working on the business idea. A long no is how banks tend to work on your loan requests when you don't have all the documentation. There's some great resources around to help you do that. Um, One, Jeff, you at the Small Business Center and the SBTDC and our team really spend a lot of time working with our clients to help build a proper loan package. If you think about requesting a loan, you talk to your loan officer that you meet. You go in and you've known him at church and you get to talk to him. He probably doesn't ultimately make the loan decision. The loan decision might be made nowadays in another state, um, another part of the country, and all that credit department further down is going to see is whatever's in this loan package request. It's like anything. The better prepared you are, the more chance you have of being successful. Yes. And what is some of the stuff in this loan package preparation request stuff? Tell us what's going to be in there. I mean, the I technical. Yeah, stuff. the technical stuff. You, I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I know some of it, but, but, uh, you know, my personal tax returns. Definitely. You know, there, there, there's usually going to be a. A lot of personal information, or, or at least application form, they're going to pull my credit report. Right. You know, so it probably would behoove me to check my credit report before they look at it, just to make sure it looks correct and there's not something incorrect dragging me down. Well, we spend a lot of time with our clients, what we call building a book. We actually physically take a, a binder or a notebook and help them build a loan request book. Mm-hmm. The first part of that has to be your story. Um, Like I said, you're not going to get the chance to meet the ultimate decision maker with the bank. So you have to write an executive summary or a business plan that explains your background, your need for the funding, how the funding will move the business forward, and why you are the one to run this business. And that's the key first part of, of any loan package. Then to explain to the bank why you need the money, that you understand why you need the money. I need the money because I need to buy a new delivery truck because I have new clients in another county. That makes sense. That's a a reason to borrow money for a small business. So we have to match the reason with your story of the business. Then we have to support all that with documentation. That's when you get into the three years personal tax returns, three years business tax returns. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to look at cash flow analysis statements. And we're also uh, the bank will also look at your personal credit, like you said earlier, looking at your credit score. Sounds like a lot of stuff. Very intrusive. It is. It is. Like I said earlier, it's like getting a physical with the angel investors. But if if you think about, it, they're making a decision to put thousands of dollars potentially in an investment, and their only way to understand that investment and bankers like I said earlier, really focus on trends and past trends. So they're going to look at your credit report. How did you handle your personal credit? Mm -hmm. If you don't pay your credit card bills on time, don't pay your car payment on time, very little chance of you paying the business loan back on time. Well, you would hope if you're investing money or lending money to somebody, you want them to be sure what they're doing. I mean, we don't want to just give money away. So we have to think about that when we're trying to get a loan or get investors that they need to have a really good understanding and comfort level with who we are. Right. Right. Well, even when my daughters come to me and ask for money for the weekend, I'm going to ask what's it's for, what are they going to use it for? How much do they need all that stuff? And I even, you know, I know them from 20 years back, so I'm still going to ask a ton of questions. Well, that's so, why I asked mine. I know so, <laughs> so, you know, bankers are going to go even deeper with those questions. 
Well, we don't really want to know what your daughters are up to, Byron. But well. uh, you know, one one phrase that uh, gets thrown around a lot is "skin in the game." You know, if you want a loan, uh, you better put some of your skin in the game, and and that's generally referring to how much of your money are you going to invest in the business because the bankers want to make sure that uh, you're focused on the business's success and you're not just going to walk away from it. You know, typically, is there a certain amount of uh, investment that a bank is looking for before they're going to jump into? There is. Uh, the two numbers that usually jump out at everybody are 10% and 20%. If you're looking for, we spoke of it earlier, the SBA guarantee through most banks, you can get away with as little as 10% in in the uh, project out of your own money for a conventional loan you're going to need about 20 percent and if you think about that it's just like when you buy buy a home and get a mortgage you have to put so much down because 100 percent financing of a project is very risky it's a lot easier for the person to close the doors and walk away when they're not mm-hmm. losing any of their own money exactly. so the banks do require 10 to 20 percent down okay. so just just so you should be expecting it yes should not be a surprise when you talk to your banker. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. So, question that I get often at my small business center, I suspect you get it as well, is where are the grants? Where are those grants for business? Where's the free money? Do you have that bucket? I do not have that bucket. Well, maybe Gary has the bucket. Where's have, the bucket? I don't have that bucket. I believe it's at the end of the rainbow with the leprechaun. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, I, with that said, I mean, there, there are some grants out there, uh, but they are few and far between. At least that's been my experience in that. Uh, I know local cities, those at least those in our area, have some matching grant programs for building improvements or landscaping projects or uh, other aesthetic improvements to the area. Uh, City of Hickory has a small micro-grant program for startups businesses, but it's only a couple thousand dollars. Any other things come to your mind when, when I'm, I'm sure you've gotten that question as well, Byron, that uh, people come looking for the free money? What, do you just say no well, and slam the door, or do you, you have more uh, up your sleeve No, than we that? talk a little bit more. Let's, ex- let's talk just for a minute about grants and the nature of them um, to start with. Grants are usually a way to leverage additional funds in a region or in a state or in a marketplace. If you think about um, the Small Business Center and the SBTDC, we are grant-funded. So by funding us, we can reach out and help and assist more small businesses than if that money was just thrown into a pot to give out to a few businesses that may or may not make it. And that's the way grants work for the most part. They're used to leverage resources. So you will see some grants that come, like you said earlier, to the community level, but then the community will loan that money out in a revolving loan fund to help more businesses. Mm. There's very few opportunities for just grant money. Uh, there are some funds, uh, the small business, um, the SBIR and the STTR, which are small business technology grants and small business grants through the university system that are mainly for very high research type developments that can benefit society as well as a business, uh, medical research, uh, those t- type of things. 
But not a lot out there to help me start my craft store. No, no, very few grants for that. No, right you may find a local grant that helps you upfront the store itself is, yeah. if it's in a historic area of town, mm-hmm. but um, no, not not to run the business. And that's been my experience as well. And just you know, we, we we hate to be the bringers of bad news, and but that's them them sort of the facts. Correct. Debt versus equity. We talked a little bit about angel investors. Uh, uh, you know, bringing on some form of partner is one way to approach it. You know, when, when you're talking to clients or, or small businesses, how do you address the, the equity piece of it? Uh, you know, when is that appropriate for businesses to be considering and, and just sort of pros and cons there? Well, let's look at those two items for a minute. If, if, let's define debt versus equity for just a minute. Debt is when money is loaned to the business and then the business has to pay the money back. Once it's paid back, the debt goes away, like borrowing from a bank. Equity, on the other hand, is ownership and shares of ownership. As you take on equity in your small business, you're giving up ownership. So whether it's stock uh, percentage, whether it's shares of stock, whether it's um, 10% to mom and dad, it's ownership of the business. So people need to understand when they're looking for those two different types of funding, they understand one is giving up part of the business and one is just borrowing against the business. Do you have any recommendations for how much you might give up for our listeners that are following Shark Tank and they hear about <laughs> all these great deals? It seems always deals. negotiable when I watch That's there. exactly I don't know. right. And so they fight hard to have uh, their investors have less than 50% of their businesses. Are there any rules that you go by? There's no real um, rule of thumb on those. If you think about it, you, you made a, a great comment. Everything is negotiable. So anytime you are discussing equity with someone, it is negotiable. Now, there are some formulas for that, and a lot of work can go into valuing a business, getting a business valuation so that you know how much it's worth. Um, Shark Tank's a great example on TV where people come in and usually overvalue their business. I've had this business for two years. We've done 50000 in sales, but we're worth $5 million. just something they pull out of thin air. There are formulas and methods of doing that to, to get an accurate valuation. Right. And there are people that can help them do that. Yes. yes I guess sir. both of you and your organizations could help people put a, a value on their business, at least or, a reasonable Or, or we can connect them to people that can help right. them with that. Right. So, we, you know, we're, yeah. I, don't, I don't do a lot of that, but I've worked with some people that do. Yeah. Right. So. There are professionals out there that will do that for, for a fee, but we can help them just based on the financial put information the right they direction. have. Because that idea. is important. One of the things that – we always teach when we're watching Shark Tank in our classes is that when they have fifty thousand dollars in sales and they ask for five million for the business, that they may have had a pretty good idea, but they were so off the wall that they lost a deal that they might have been able to do because they were unreasonable. And I think Shark Tank's a great example where you look for that equity, not just as money in your business, but also expertise. And I think most of the people on Shark Tank mess up by not realizing what Mark Cuban or one of the other sharks is actually bringing, the value they, the bring, value they bring besides the money. I would rather have 10% of a $100 million company than 100% of a $100,000 company. Right, exactly. So, uh, And lots of times you see with the business owners of Shark Tank, ego gets in the way of making a prudent business decision. Well, we'll, we'll speak to that for a little bit because, um, you know, when, when you're conceived – you know, different options for funding your business. You, you can bring on partners. You can you give away part of the equity. And, and funding might be one reason for that, but there are probably strategic reasons that you 
probably should consider that for that are more important than just the funding piece of it. Right. Uh, it's sometimes you, there are a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on right now, and lots of times you see that within the same industry. But there's also a real strategic purpose to maybe one of your vendors partnering with you, becoming a new business entity with a part of your supply chain that then you can grow the business. So there are other ways to share equity that makes strategic sense in the life of a business. Well, I, I think we've also probably all seen people start businesses that have very strong technical skills and, and are very good at developing a product or providing the service. But as far as selling the product or, or managing a business or growing a business, they don't really have those business skills, might not be interested in having those business skills. And, and there can be some very good and sound strategic reasons for uh, you know, bringing a partner in to help manage some of those functions of a business. Right. There are lots of times where the founder themselves is not necessarily the person to be the CEO of the business or to be the president of the business. They they enjoy developing products. They enjoy making things. They built a great small business, but to get it to the next level, you may need to bring in a partner. You can bring in a CEO or a, a president that can bring something to the table that may want equity in the business, but it's well worth it to move the business forward. So one other term that gets thrown around a lot when it comes to funding is, is venture capital. You know, I need to get me some of that venture capital. I'm assuming that that's pretty rare. Uh, what's, what's, uh, Byron, what's your experience with venture capital? And when, when somebody walks into your door and says, hey, uh, how do you connect me to venture capital? How do you deal with that one? First of all, I'll ask them if they have sales of about $100 million. If they don't, they're not even in the venture capital realm. Uh, venture capital, if you think about that, is our, we've talked about founders and family. Then we've talked about angel investors and banks. And then venture capital as being the highest end of funding to grow a business. There again, it's hyper growth at that point when you're getting venture capital. Um, if you go and look up uh, Hatteras Financial with a real estate investment trust in Winston-Salem was recently purchased by a, a um, venture capital firm up in New York. It was $1.3 billion transaction, but it will grow that business tremendously, and it's the owners, current owners, will basically be out of it. So venture capitalists, um, vulture capitalists, you could call it, will come in and move the business in a different direction. You'll see publicly traded companies taken over by venture capitalists. So this is it, it's a different realm from small business. That's where really where you get up into corporate America at that point. And, and I would think often the, the expectations become very different when that money be, gets involved in a company and that you know, my, my assumption is it becomes a, a little bit more of a short-term type uh, profit. I'm not always sure they're in it for long-term growth or looking for short-term returns. Well, I have firsthand experience of that. Uh, in my earlier life of our public company, going private through a venture capital firm. And it was a really fun experience. Uh, well, yeah. Looking at what the next month's profits were going to be, right. as opposed to where we were going to be in five years. Right. And most of the time people say angel investors and venture capitalists in the same sentence. Totally different animals. With the um, angel investors, they are banking on you and your business idea, your projections, what you said the business can do. Venture capitalists are looking at what the business has done they come in, put their own management team in place, and know where they can move the business quickly, make a lot of money. It may even be breaking off 
part of the business, yep. selling off part of the business into different entities. So, like I said, that's a real um, high-level strategic type of funding that moves a business into a different category. Well, you, you've given us a, a lot of good information, a really good background here on the various funding options that uh, you can consider depending on where your business is at the, in its life cycle. Byron, how do people find you and how can they find the SBTDC? The best way to find the SBTDC is to go online to www.sbtdc.org, our website. On that website, there's a lot of useful information, our publications, our annual state of small business, as well as a locator opportunity to find the nearest SBTDC center uh, located to your area. Okay. Well, we very much appreciate you joining us today and, uh, and dropping some knowledge on us. And uh, we hope that you'll come back again at some point in time. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thanks, right. Byron. Appreciate it. All right. We like to wind up our entrepreneur exchange with some small businesses that uh, have come across our radar. So, Gary, what, uh, what small business uh, are you going to share with us this month? Thanks, Jeff. My small business of the month falls in line with my theme of promoting businesses for food, animals, or kids. In fact, this month, it has a little bit of each. So imagine, both of you, you're standing on any block around lunchtime near Amazon's.com's downtown Seattle headquarters. You'll see two common sights, people walking dogs and then buying from food trucks. The scene offers a window into Seattle's infatuation with dogs and cats, by the way which outnumber children. And they, they like cats, too. That's what they say. Okay, they like all cats, right. too. But okay. the focus mm-hmm. is dogs. Okay. Uh, and the maturing uh, and growing food truck market. Now, one truck is combining both by catering to humankind's best friend. It kind of seems like the natural thing, the customers say, because we've been getting into the food truck business, and people are getting more and more comfortable with that. Now we need to be there for our faithful furry friends, they say. Harding uh, is a customer of the Seattle Barkery. Not bakery, but Barkery. A food truck. Wait, wait. They're not cooking dogs, are they? They're not. Well, they didn't say that. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. Pull back. All right, thanks. (laughs) And their owners uh, are... You lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Because now I thought of a new business. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. We'd have trouble finding funding for for baking dogs. Okay, we can't bake dogs. Okay. I hope people. No, we're making food. I wonder if people are still listening to our podcast at this point. Go ahead, Gary. (laughs) Okay. No, and they've got their target market people near dog parks and office building parking lots, farmers markets, all the things where we take our dogs. They've had this business that they've rolled out, pun intended, for the food truck industry for 10 months. Dawn Ford, who owns and operates the truck with her husband, Ben, says, I think there definitely is a market for more things like this, where human and canine activities are combined. You know, we don't want to just leave them at home. They're a part of the family, so we have to make sure that we're taking care of what they do. Uh, They don't have a lot of people. We're talking about new businesses, Byron. It might be something. Uh, There aren't a bunch of these around the country, but they are growing. Uh, And, you know, you think about it. Uh, what they might be available. And going back to your point, Jeff, of what kind of food that they might be offering, they are offering bakery and different types of things for uh, dogs. And people that don't know exactly what the concept is, is the Seattle Barkery, they buy some of these things, and then they, they drop back, and they're a little worried because some of the uh, food that they're offering are uh, air-fried chicken feet, duck neck, cupcakes with bacon branded as pup cakes. <laughs> Mini cheese, donuts, pumpkin pretzels, and uh, peanut butter banana cookies, which I think would work for all of us. But it's something that's growing, and it started in Seattle, and I could see it coming to North Carolina over the next 
handful of years. Yeah, it's just going to raise the bar of expectation for our pets in terms of what sort of food they're going to be going. You know, if I just keep feeding my dogs the same dry stuff they've been eating for 10 years, they they will never know that there are these delicacies out there that uh, they I might I do the same eat. thing with my kids. I try yeah. to give them some dry food, but it... Eventually, they find out. Well, you know, I, I, I give my kids the chicken feet and, and the duck necks as well, and they don't seem to complain. I don't know. <laughs> it's all what you're used to. Okay. All right. That's an interesting that one. An interesting and and one. just, just for clarification, I was, I was kidding. They don't actually cook no, dogs don't in cook Seattle. Dogs. You know, At least they wanna, didn't say anything about We that. don't want to get in trouble with the Barkery yeah. or the city of Seattle or That's any correct. of our listeners out there. You know, we, we, we have a lot of listeners out west. We, so actually, we, we sure. do actually have know, some. We, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we are Carolina Panthers fans, so, you know, Seattle – yeah, we're that's, we're that's we're probably. still looking at you. You know, that's I know exactly we, we got right. the best of you last year. We're still coming, so we still got we got work to do still. All right, so my small business of the month is a company called Maddie Energy, and I'm I, you know I'm I'm a I, I try to support local businesses. This one was actually created by a an undergraduate at Duke University, and if you're a listener, you probably recognize I am not a big fan of Duke University because I went to Chapel Hill, but... Um, it's a little squir- school and squirrely school in Durham. A, it is a squirrely <laughs> school in, in Durham, and uh, it was created by a young lady named Titania Bergeson, and it's, it's, a, it's an energy drink uh, in that she was playing around with tea. She's not a coffee drinker. She was playing around with tea, and she wanted to figure out how to get more caffeine and antioxidants out of tea leaves. So she started playing around with this in her dorm room, uh, sort of mixing it with fruit juices because she wanted to come up with a healthy energy booster and uh, came up with uh, a few flavors that she started selling to local businesses whose employees preferred it over Red Bull. And over the last few years, she's turned it from a dorm room uh, business into something called Maddie Energy, where she's making a healthy, high-energy drink, sort of a hybrid of juice and and caffeine and whatnot. Uh, Her revenues are going to be around $1 million this year. She's uh, selling that's sort of a lightly carbonated fruit juice with tea blended in. Uh, which I think I read that it gives you about, uh, you know, one, one drink gives about a, one and a half cups of coffee. Come, coffee is generally my preferred energy drink, but I'm open to trying others. Uh, you can find it now at Whole Foods in the south, in southeast United States, and it's going to be in Kroger and Costco as well. comes in three flavors, citrus, cherry, and tropical, only 45 calories. So Maddie Energy, you can check them out at www. Maddie, that's M-A-T-I Energy, M-A-T-I-E-N-E-R-G-Y dot com. And it sounds like they will be on a shelf near you in the near future. So, Sounds interesting. Give it a look. Support one of our local businesses, even if they went to Duke, and uh, check them out. If you've got a suggestion for the Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at exchange at the mesh dot tv that's e exchange at the mesh dot tv and if we use your small business idea or small business in the month on the on the podcast you'll get a entrepreneur exchange prize pack which i, I had to send one off uh, just last month so i was happy to do that that's really exciting so anyway we want to thank byron byron hicks with the north carolina small business and technology development center for being on the entrepreneur exchange today thanks to the mesh you can download us at themesh.tv or subscribe at the iTunes store. And I uh, uh, hope everyone stays safe, and we'll look forward to catching up with you again next month. Everybody have a great month. Mm-hmm.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. 